Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am welcome to the Lifeboats live stream. Okay, I watched this show uh, this week called Jamie versus Brittany. It's put out by Amazon. It's two episodes. Uh, here's a little snippet on it. And it tells the story of Britney Spears's conservatorship, uh, which is where basically your rights to make decisions for yourself are taken away and given to someone else and it's enforced by the state. And I really like the way that they did this. They told this story because in the first episode you get the dad's side of the, of the story and all of his supporters kind of tell it like it is. And then in the second part of the story, you get Brittany's version of events and she's calling for, criminal charges and for her dad to be arrested and put in prison for what they did to her through this process. And it was very eye-opening to me, you know, right along the lines of this right here, this Bastiat quote that says, when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in a society over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. Okay. And as we go through the first story, you know, that's kind of the tact I think that they took, uh, that the dad took. It was like, uh, we love our daughter very much. Of course, the dad, he, his, his mom committed suicide over the death of uh, one of her babies at a very young age. So, you know, he's got this, all that trauma to deal with. And he's tried to start business after business and never been successful and always kind of been scraping by until all of a sudden his daughter blows up and now, oh, he's going to be the manager, right? And so he does that and then kind of in the process comes face to face with the monster that is Hollywood and how it wants to come in and manipulate and use Britney Spears to its own ends, right? So that all these other people can win the cash register on her fame and success and so forth. And I think he was really in way over his head with what he was doing. Um, but from his side of the story, it was, Hey, our daughter started kind of, uh, couldn't handle the fame. You know, I, I remember, you know, I don't follow pop culture. Don't really care about these people. They're, they're singers, they're actors, whatever. It's crazy to me that people, the way people worship some of them. Um, but I remember a few things where there was a time when she cut her hair and like that's been explained as to why she did that in the documentary. There was the time where, she, oh, she was getting out of the car and flashed her pussy and oh my gosh. And there was uh, a couple of incidents with the paparazzi where she was attacking one of them because they were just constantly in her face right and I thought well the fame's getting to her she can't handle the pressure uh it's she, money's changed her who knows that you know that's kind of what we're taught to think about all this stuff but in fact that really couldn't be further from the truth she had family members a dad who was really who was maybe good intentioned but in the end was exploiting her and, um, okay. So she went through this process where she was from a very young age was singing and so forth. 
Um, she had her big break. She only went uh, opened up as a uh, as an opener opening act instead of a headliner one time, which is kind of unheard of because she blew up so fast and became so big so fast. And uh, her parents were really like restricting her, taking away her freedoms and so forth. And she eventually finds this sort of outlet in Instagram where she's able to communicate with the rest of the world. And it's very weird. And it's like, what is going, what's wrong with this girl is what I think a lot of people were asking. And the reality is uh, through this whole process, her parents like turned her into this cash register that they just wanted to ring as often as they could. And they, there was this maneuver in there where they brought in this financial money manager, basically that handles high profile clients, which, you know, probably a good thing for somebody like that. You know, they, they grew, she grew up in a small town, uh, Christian values, all that sort of thing, conservative and so forth. And not really like knowing how to handle all of this. Uh, and was spending money and making bad decisions as just like sports athletes do as well. And so it was probably a good idea to bring them in, but somewhere in the process, she ended up getting a $40,000 loan from this company managing her money. Why does she need a loan when she's got seven figures in the bank account? That doesn't really make sense, does it? But what that was done, what happened there is that was used to create a joinder between her and this company, and it allowed them to further get their claws into her wealth, right? And this was being pushed by the dad to further take over uh, the Britney Spears empire, essentially, and control it and manipulate it and profit off of it because that's where it started heading, okay? So Brittany goes through this sort of phase where she's trying to get away from this. She doesn't know what to do, but she's been controlled and told what to do and pushed and pushed and pushed to work hard and, you know, make all this money and, and have all this fame and so forth. And she just, I think had enough of it and rejected it. And then when she came out, a lot of her like bizarre behavior was because they stunted her development by pushing her to work so hard and do all of these shows and so forth. She didn't have a social life. She didn't have hobbies. All she knew was being Britney Spears and promoting Britney Spears. And in the process, she had a lot of growing up to do. And I think that's some of the kind of bizarre behavior that was exhibited during this period and the whole shaving her head thing. It turns out she was in a custody battle with her uh, ex-husband over the kids. This is, I think Kevin Federline, I believe um, who they were taken away from her. And then they used that to uh, push this conservancy to grab more of her f- medical freedom her financial freedom. They were just trying to take and take and take and take. Of course, the dad who, you know, never really had money, never was really successful. He gets $16,000 a month. You know, this is starting 14 years ago. So this is back in the early 2000s when a $200,000 a year salary was a lot of money. 
right? So he's ringing the cash register and they've taken away more and more of these freedoms and they were using her freak out from her being so controlled and prevented from developing like a normal uh, girl, normal human being because she's just being used as this tool that they use that to grab more power and more control over her and further enslave and imprison her. And that's exactly what happened to this girl. And, you know, you've got the people in the town saying, Oh, he's uh Jamie's a good guy. He loves his daughter and he's doing what's best for her. And to their credit, they point out in the 13 years, you know, she was really kind of going downhill, getting in the altercations and getting sued for beating up the paparazzi. Of course, the paparazzi are there, you know, oh, Brittany, can we help you? Do you need help, Brittany? As they're snapping pictures in her face and she can't go anywhere without these assholes getting right in her face and pretending like they care while they exploit her by selling the pictures of her. I mean, it, it, it's, yeah, it's it be a shitty life. And it's, to me, it really showed like how somebody could lash out in that way. And especially with her not having this normal childhood where she's developing and learning how to communicate and so forth. She's just this tool that gets pulled out of the closet and used essentially and put away when they're done. And so she had a lot of growing up to do, and that's what that part of that process was. But so much of the stuff, like the head being shaved, they were trying to take her, her kids away, take custody away. And she, they, she was worried that they were going to pull hair and do a drug analysis on it to see if you know, there was cannabis anywhere in the history, you know, several years of her hair growing out like that. So she got rid of it all so they couldn't take her kid away. And of course, they're going to the court saying she's not of sound mind, can't make proper financial decisions. They committed her to the hospital, to a mental hospital, twice. Each time they use that to grant the conservancy more hooks into her life. And the government's sitting there rubber stamping it. You know, the government that's talking to you about um, trafficking, child trafficking, which is exactly what they were doing here. But, you know, because it's the government and the nice men with guns say it's okay, then it's magically not trafficking that they were allowing to happen, not exploitation that they were allowing to happen. They were helping her. And that was kind of the Jamie's side of it as well. We got her back on track. She went out and now she's uh, you know, representing Pepsi and all these major companies and her net worth is $60 million roughly and on and on. So we saved her. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a lawyer who was supposed to represent Brittany. Uh, and he never, never talked to her. He was supposed to be her advocate inside the conservancy to make sure her wishes are being considered. And instead, you just have this lawyer who's sitting there 
ring in the cash register just like that for 16 grand a month for who knows what, probably more than that or close to that for representing Brittany, the girl that he's never really even talked to. And then when she tried to get a lawyer on her own, the court told her, you're not competent to make that decision. I mean, you can go out and you can do four shows a week, dancing for 90 minutes, day in, day out. Even if you're exhausted, your parents can still make you do that because as the dad would go around saying, I, according to the state, I am Britney Spears. The state turned her into a slave. She may not have been getting whipped and beaten, but she was coerced into it. Of course, we're talking about a government that looked at what was done to people who took, who were threatened with their jobs if they didn't take these experimental gene therapies called COVID vaccines. And they said they had the balls to sit there and say, that wasn't coercion. When we threatened to fire you, if you didn't take this shot, we didn't, that, no, not coercion. When plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in a society, you know, like the politicians, the pharmaceutical cartels, the government employees, over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. That is exactly, exactly what they did to Britney Spears. And eventually, she got away from it, but through no help of her lawyer that was supposed to be her advocate, her family that was supposedly trying to help her, that's now driving around in their nice Mercedes, the lawyer that tried, that she hired to represent her couldn't because the court told her, you're not of sound mind, but go out and do the show tonight. <laughs> I, I mean, just so freaking insane. And it, it just, it goes on from there. This was a great series um, if you're interested in this kind of thing. But I think it just shows you this is what the government thinks of you, your property. You're their property. And if they decide that somebody else should be able to make your decisions for you, that's what they'll do. And this went on for 13 years. And it took a public outcry to get this corrected. And it's just, it's such a shame that this is being done to people like this, that these people just preyed on her and used it, used her to ring the cash register for themselves. And now there's allegations of fraud and illegal activity and all sorts of other things. And where did all the money go? And it will probably, you know, be excused away because, hey, it's legal plunder. The man in the dress up there said it was okay for me to do this. So that's what I'm doing. And they literally turned her into chattel slavery minus the beatings. But they told her if she fights it, they're going to take away more. So anyway, uh, it was, uh, it's an interesting 
couple hours for those of you that want to uh, dig into that. I, I, I recommend it if that's something that kind of you want to learn about because yeah, it opened my eyes. You know, I, I know, I think this girl is, uh, just in an amazing struggle and it's still going on. They're still trying to do these legal maneuvers and so forth to, uh, I guess make it go away or keep the gravy train going. Who knows what, but you know, it's just wrong for one group of people to decide the rights of another, you know, government comes in with this promise that, well, we're going to protect your rights by first taking them away. Because the first thing that any government does is grant themselves the power to tax. What is that? Well, that's where they steal your shit. And if you don't give it up, they'll fucking kill you. In order to protect you from somebody that might steal your shit and kill you. There is no way to piece pieces the way. As Thich Hun explained, the ends are not the means. Or sorry, the means are not the ends. What am I saying here? The, the means are the ends. Okay? You don't war one's way to peace. If you want peace, you go out and be peaceful. And we have this system that starts off by threatening everyone. We're in charge. You're going to do what we say or else. And we're doing this for your own good to protect you. And in special cases like this, they will take other people's rights away and give them to their friends. Right? And this rings the cash register for the judge, for the the, uh, legal system, for all sorts of people on the gravy train. And it will never stop until we realize and recognize that this isn't an optimal way to live, that you you will never have a system with this paradigm, with this fundamental flaw, taking one group of people and giving them special status and a monopoly on violence over everyone else. Because over time, they will abuse it and manipulate it and define it as they please to their own ends. And then it will be, you you know, this is just an expansion of that where now some other people get special privileges to come in and do the same. And if they can do this to Brittany, they can do this to you even easier. I mean, that's what happens when they commit people to the state health systems. They clean out their bank accounts a lot of times. Thank you for that very much. We're going to need that for your care. And go ahead and take that $100,000 life savings that you have. Appreciate it. And we're going to give it to our friends who run the healthcare, the uh, nursing home. And it just keeps getting, growing more and more corrupt. And this is why getting the right people in there is a fool's errand. It doesn't solve this problem. It doesn't even address it. The problem is the monopoly on violence, the lack of accountability, this idea that someone can protect your rights by first taking them away. That is a non-starter, and it's time we as a 
species recognize that. So, okay, uh, that's enough of that. <laughs> All right, um, let's go. There's something interesting happening here, and this was tweeted by Elon Musk. This is the rabbit hole um, uh, substack, and he's written an article talking about what's happening at Twitter. Now, I'm still banned on Twitter. Um, no telling when, if ever, I'll, I'll, the, the popularity contest will go through enough people to get to me. <laughs> it's stupid. Uh, but I think this kind of ties in with what we're talking about here. And so I want to read it to you. It says, when analyzing the market space inhibited by both traditional and new age media companies, one of the necessary prerequisites for customer buy-in is trust. Without trust, people cannot consume a media source, especially when that, that media source purports to be a purveyor of news and information. And it's exactly what we've had. And there's this crisis in confidence that the mainstream media are having. And here's the chart right there for those of you watching. You can see since the, the 1970s where you had trust in the mainstream media, newspaper, TV, and radio, that was in the 70% range. Today, that's 34%. And the people who strongly distrust, like complete 180 on the mainstream media, 38%. And the people who, uh, they don't, not very much that we're getting the full story, that's 28%. So a seismic shift here is underway. And it's because this system has been manipulated and perverted and turned into a tool of propaganda rather than news that people can actually trust. And Twitter, I think, is a big, like it or not, it's a big part of that transformation. According to Gallup, American trust in mass media instructions institutions has tanked. Trust is down across all political demographics, with the Democrats being the sole exception. This is an industry ripe for disruption, inner Twitter and Elon Musk. Twitter at its core is offering a trust as a service to its user base. Twitter is trying to sell its audience on the idea, and Elon tweeted this out and said, yeah, this is basically what we're doing. So Twitter is trying to sell the idea, or, or try, sorry, trying to sell its audience on the idea that we can entrust it to host important conversations on its platform without engaging in unethical moderation tactics to censor information deemed inappropriate. In addition, Twitter is attempting to prove to what extent it can act as a trust broker since conversations that happen on Twitter can make or break trust in people, institutions, and other entities. And there's a Malcolm X quote here that's uh, the media's most powerful entity on earth. They have the power to make the innocent guilty and to make the guilty innocent, and that's power because they control the minds of the masses. And of course, who controls the media? Well, Mockingbird, the CIA, the deep state. This whole thing, this whole process has been weaponized against the American people, against humanity worldwide to manipulate and control what we think. This is what Reagan was so big on is setting the, the table, the paradigm, framing the argument. Do we want this or do we want this? And it's a Hobson's choice. Historically, we had now what is a legacy media that brokered trust by telling us 
who we could and could not trust. As Malcolm X noted, centralized trust brokerage oligarchies gave a small group of people the ability to control the narrative to such an extent that perceptions of guilt and innocence could be shaped. Now we have reached a point, as shown earlier by Gallup, where the legacy media has destroyed its own reputation by failing to adapt to the increasing levels of transparency that came from the internet through biased reporting. (laughs) And I have to laugh at this graphic here beside me. It says all sides media bias chart, and they've got four, five categories here. There's, there's left, there's leaning left, there's center, there's right, and there's leaning right. So like, which one are you? And it is absolutely ridiculous to think that 330 million people's views and opinions on life and the world and government and society can be boiled down into one of five categories. Absolutely stupid. Absolutely ridiculous. I don't, I'm not even on this. They've put reason on, on leans, right? No, they lean freedom. You haven't seen the world's smallest political quiz. Actually, let me bring this up here. You can take it online and it's a really simple thing. It's put out by the advocates for self-government. And it says government should not censor speech, press, media, or internet. I would agree with that. Military service should be voluntary. There should be no draft. I would agree with that. Uh, repeal laws prohibiting adult possession and use of drugs, 100%. There should be no laws regarding sex between consenting adults. Yep. Government should not target, detain, or deport undocumented workers. Nope. If you want to come here, come here. But don't expect a handout from the government. You got to make your own way. You can't put saucers of milk out on the porch every day and then get mad at all the stray cats running around. I have that exact problem in my neighborhood. We've got the one neighbor that's, it started off, you know, two cats. And she started feeding them off in her driveway. And then we had like six cats and eight cats. And now when she goes out to feed them, there's like 18. And now there's rival gangs of cats that sometimes they do pull a West Side Story fight and you hear them fighting outside. And another neighbor across the street, she started feeding the rival gang of cats, which is great because it's going to get bigger, create an even bigger problem. Because that's what these welfare programs do. Welfare would be far better handled in the hands of a charity that's actually accountable for results. Unlike the government, unlike the state. So yeah, government should not target, detain, or depart, deport undocumented workers. Taxpayers should not be responsible for student loan debt. Yeah, no, we shouldn't. If you want to go to college and borrow money to do that, I shouldn't have to loan you that money. I shouldn't be responsible if you don't pay it back. That's between you and whoever you borrow the money from, but it shouldn't be the government getting involved in that. And look at what's what that's led to. We've seen the graphs of, I've shown you those several times, of inflation in the education system versus everything else, and it is off the charts way higher. Why? Because the government guarantees the loans, 
that the big banks make to back these student loans. And then they make it so that you can't discharge the debt in bankruptcy. So they've given, you know, special class of this. They'll take money out of your social security check. If you haven't paid off your loans by the time you die, by the time you retire, that's why. And so these universities can just, well, we're going to, I mean, costs are going up. And meanwhile, they have professors making half a million dollars. Absolutely ridiculously absurd salary. But they can get away with it because the government is handling these loans. So, yeah, no, you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing that, guaranteeing loans. Government should not be responsible for, for providing health care. Correct. Look at what they've done. They've just mass murdered millions of people around the world. Probably shouldn't put that in their hands. Let people control their own retirement, privatize Social Security. So yeah, if you want to have 7 or actually 14% taken out of your check, or no, what is it? I think it's 7 and you pay 3.5, the employer pays the other. You should be free to do that. But it shouldn't be mandated by the government. Replace government welfare with private charity. Well, yeah, I already discussed that. Cut taxes and government spending by 50% or more. Uh, well, since it says or more, I can agree with that one. Bonus issue. Before we show the results, which of you thinks, which of these do you think best reflects your views? Libertarian, progressive, moderate, unsure, authoritarian, uh, conservative. Well, I'm a voluntarist. Libertarian is the closest to that. I'm going to be right in the corner. Oh, come on. Oh, don't make me do that. Are you guys serious right now? There we go. See my results without saving. Yeah, right there. So let me blow that up for you guys. This is actually a more true-to-form chart, unlike what the mainstream media, what the mainstream would indoctrinate you into believing that you're either left or right. Which one? You're in a free country. You get to choose between the two controlled opposition choices that we're going to give you, that we're going to program you with, that we're going to lead you to believe are the only options available. This is the only way to possibly run society. And you either get along, get on board, or you're a crazy, anarchist, rock-throwing, uh, fire-bombing criminal. So, you have libertarian at the top here, authoritarian at the bottom here. That's a status, somebody that wants absolute government control over all these things. And then you have progressive on one side and conservative on the other side. So those are forms, that's sort of the scale of government intervention. What should the government be doing? Well, it should be fixing these issues. No, it should be fixing these issues. But there's also this scale out there that says, what the fuck? No, get the government out of this or the government needs to control everything. We need a police state. Orwellian 1984 society where they go back and rewrite history just as they, they're doing now for COVID. 
You had Ernesto Ramirez. You remember him, the father who lost his son after he got him vaccinated? He was playing basketball, I think, dropped dead. He goes out and speaks with the AFLDS, America's Frontline Doctors, I think it is. And, um, well, the government came to him, said they'd pay for the funeral if he would change the death certificate for his son to something other than the vaccine. And, you know, this is what they give us. Are you Democrat or Republican? Red team or blue team? Take your pick when the reality is right here. Are you an authoritarian that wants to control, harm, threaten your friends and neighbors? Or do you want to be free to make your own decisions and allow others to make their own decisions? Even if they're going to make bad decisions and you know they're going to make bad decisions, they should still have the freedom to make those bad decisions and learn and live the life that comes from that and learn from it. Okay. Uh, Twitter has become back. This is back to the uh, article, the Substack article. Twitter has become the place for real time news updates. There's no competition when you can hear from direct sources and watch the wisdom of the crowd play out and disseminating information. hundred percent true. I mean, for the last 10 years almost. It's like the news agencies are playing catch up to Twitter. Well, it broke on Twitter today. (laughs) They're a dinosaur thrashing around in a tar pit and nobody trusts them anymore because they've been caught lying so many times. And that's what he's going to go through here. Anything in the traditional media format is delayed, less scrutinized and riddled with bias as indicated by the above chart. When audiences are presented with a free platform that lets regular people directly interact with information and prominent figures, uh, how can a decrepit media landscape hope to compete? It cannot. With each passing year, such outlets act more as overfunded Twitter curation tools (laughs) and propaganda outlets in the worst of cases, yep, than actual disseminators of news and information. Not to mention the lag that exists between the time news breaks on Twitter, you know, directly from the source. I mean, look, when the Guidestones were down, I had the daughter of the um, excavator operator that knocked him down tweeting me that night because he was in the hospital, you know, getting treated for something. I forget what had happened. Um, it, it, It just can't keep up. It can't keep up. It is a dinosaur. It is a relic. And I think this is where Musk is trying to position himself. Now, uh, I, let's see, I'll come back to that. Okay. Not to mention the lag that exists between the time news breaks on Twitter uh, and when the news is reported by everyone else, which the below cartoon illustrates. And there's this great, uh, what are you? And Twitter says media. And there's the Washington Post and the New York Times silent. What do, what do I want? News. When do I want it? Right now. And this is all Twitter responses. And then <laughs> Washington Post and New York Times are all media. They're answering the first question because <laughs> they're so freaking slow. Dinosaurs. With, the, with each year that passes, legacy media outlets like the New York Times and Washington Post become increasingly dependent on social media to produce their content. And of course, What are all these platforms? This is what I talked about in the last show. It's what I was debating getting into or not. I I actually did not get 
censored off of True Social. I was incorrect about that. I think they, I this this machine runs through a VPN so I can bridge the connections and get enough bandwidth to uh, send it out. Well, scammers will also use this global network of VPN servers. So they some of the servers get blacklisted because oh, there's scammers on them. Well, there's also people using them legitimately like me. And when I go on to True Social, it's blocked. Um, it used to say something different. I think they changed the way the blocking or, or something. Um, so I either have to switch to a specific server, which I'm usually on and then it works or try a different one, but I've tried four or five tonight and none of them worked. So I think they have changed something and that's what made me think, oh great, they've deleted my account over that tweet that I sent out. But then I got an alert on my tablet after the show and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> However, I'm glad I went there because what it made me realize is that, yeah, these billionaires are all the same. Trump's got his true social that he wants to turn big and, and be this platform that he gets to manipulate and play in. Elon wants uh, Twitter that he gets to manipulate and play in and shape the, the perspective and the conversation. I think he has mostly um, altruistic uh, intentions but, I, you know, he got rid of the Elon private jet tracker account, didn't he? And the other ones. Uh, of course, then you've got Bezos with the Washington Post and using that to manipulate the politicians and the, the Washington, D.C. groupthink that goes on. And Facebook, same thing with, with Creeper. So... They're all being used as by these billionaires as these tools that let them manipulate the public. It's just a new, it's just the next iteration of the model because the mainstream media model is broken. That's why we're now seeing all these different social media platforms and so forth, along with the censorship as well. Okay. Um, when outlets like Twitter exist, where people can get news from the direct sources and analysis of information occurs through the wisdom of the crowd, meaning, you know, we have these discussions and people kind of that, that have relevant information or subject matter expertise can pipe in and those can get promoted up and kind of funnel up to the top. So that's the wisdom of the crowd. You kind of tend to get to the best answer faster. There are gradually fewer and fewer ways, viable ways for legacy media to compete. All of this begs the question as to what Twitter is going is doing to market itself as a TAAS so it can earn the trust of its user base. A large burden inherited by new Twitter is a technical product that still dishes out punishments using arbitrary criteria as documented. There continue to be flaws in the moderation process on Twitter. Some suggestions that could act as potential solutions are fix the bug where some accounts are unable to appeal. Apparently, maybe that's what happened to me where I got censored two weeks after the white for talk, you know, talking about shedding of the spike protein two weeks after the White House sent an email suggesting that was an important one to censor because it's misinformation. Of course, it's absolutely true and factual. And their own studies uh, reinforce that. It's going back to the article, remove permanent suspensions, require human review to issue a permanent ban. I don't know. If, I guess a permanent ban, yeah. Um, 
And this is something that I think should have already happened. Instead, we get this stupid popularity con. Let me pick you. Okay, now you. And it's like he's running polls on Friday to unban people. Of course, the people that are getting unbanned are the ones who like self-censored in a lot of ways. Not the people who actually told the truth when it could make a fucking difference and save people's lives from getting these deadly shots. But let's bring them back first. <laughs> While it's important uh, to empower newly registered users, it's also important to recognize the malicious ways account creations can be abused, namely by bots and those creating alt accounts specifically to report ideological rivals along with restricting the ability of freshly made accounts to report users, perhaps even locking this ability to Twitter blue subscribers. Don't like that idea that will create this sort of, that will reshape uh, Twitter in the same way that it was happening under the old uh, management. A potential solution in this department could be to do something akin to the Reddit karma system where users need to meet a certain karma thresholds to use certain Twitter features, which would include reporting tools. I like that. Decentralize it, allow it to sort of float around out there and be uh, more crowdsourced. I think that's a great, great idea. Uh, some steps are already being taken to correct missteps taken under previous Twitter ownership. Freedom Fridays have been a fun tradition where some accounts that were unfairly banned get reinstated. Yeah, great. Uh, via polls conducted by Elon Musk. Twitter users, like, really? A poll is what determines whether or not you should be brought back? Via polls conducted by Elon Musk, Twitter users can, to some extent, influence company policy. This is a stark contrast to how other companies operate different from uh, prior ownership, implementing pol politically driven policies like misgendering ban while doing relatively little to combat child content on its platforms. There's the old uh, legal, I think she was the one that was on Rogan's show, saying, oh, no, we're, everything we're doing is fine. One of the most important decisions from Elon Musk was to release the Twitter files that revealed what went on behind the scenes of a major tech social media company and government collusion. By doing so, he set a new standard for what transparency should look like from tech companies. I tend to agree with that. If you're interfacing with the government, publicize it. Leaked messages indicate similar events were occurring at other companies such as Facebook, Microsoft, Verizon, Reddit, Pinterest, and others. The Twitter files revealed that under its previous ownership, Twitter operated as an arm of the institutions, 100%. To succeed as a TAAS, a trusted service source, right? New Twitter must act as a defiant force by resisting pressure from legacy media to stifle conversations on its platform and by empowering citizen journalism in order to displace the role of old oligarchs in trust brokering. And this is why I criticize Elon's approach not what he's doing. He's handing it over to the people who sat there and self-censored and let people die. And there's a, a map of how few, you know, um, a few companies control so much of what we see, read, and hear from the media. And it's a dying paradigm. And it's not like we're getting free. 
we're just going to free range news now. Where as long as you don't piss off the farmer, you can, you know, run around and scratch in the yard a little bit, eat some grass, maybe catch some bugs. But we are by no means free. All right. Um, speaking of which, we'll come back to that. I want to, there was um, Neil Oliver. He put together a little video here. He talked to one of the ER, or not ER, but a GP in the UK about this 100% safe and effective gene transfection therapies they're calling vaccines. I want you to hear what he's got to say. This is his opener. Faster and faster our leaders are running now, running from the truth. Excess deaths are rising all around us like flood water. In recent weeks, more people have died than during the height of the pandemic. They have not died of COVID-19, we know that much. So what is happening? Why are thousands more people dying than usual? And why no daily televised announcements of those deaths as we had with those attributed to COVID? I can guess. Ask the question, however, talk about these deaths, demand answers, and watch the chickens yep. run faster still while lashing out with all the censorship, cancellation, downright demonizing of dissent, and more recently, the most egregious insults they can muster. So now it's become socially acceptable to question the excess deaths. You know, the excess deaths that have been apparent since MMWR week 14, back in August of 2000, almost two years now. A little late to the party, Neil, but I'm still happy to have you, you know. November last year, the sun said, green fingers, urgent warning to gardeners, as soil increases risk of a killer heart disease. Remember all these stories on reasons for heart attacks? In September, the Times informed us that can of diet drink a day linked to 23% greater risk of stroke. In August, ABC News ran with rise in heart disease may be explained by extreme weather conditions. In April, the Daily Saba in Turkey had good news can cause heart attacks too. In September, the Indian <laughs> Express news. said explained a heart attack while exercising, why it happens and who's at risk. In May, Very Well Health offered the possibility of a heart attack from shoveling snow. And last February, Wales Online let its readers know that energy bill prices may cause heart attacks and strokes, says TVGP. Why are we invited to look in so many directions for explanations of sudden deaths by heart attack and stroke, and yet the I same know. mainstream media so blatantly ignores credible scientific data in peer-reviewed journals that reveals what might be a crucial line of inquiry for anyone with a serious mind well, we know why. Because you have pharmaceutical cartels who are basically bribing the news media organizations with advertising dollars, right? For products that their doctors push anyway so that they can get an editor on the phone and, or a vice president on the phone. Hey, you know that $10 million we spent with you guys last year um, we're seeing an increase in heart attacks. It sure would be great if or people are talking about heart attacks a lot lately. It sure would be great if you could have your reporters do stories on all the different things that cause heart attacks because there are really a lot of reasons. And the conspiracy theorists, they're just running away with that. This They're trying to 
spread a bunch of disinformation about these gene transfection therapies that are killing people that we call 100% safe and effective vaccines. And so what is that? That goes, that's a call place to the editor. Editor tells the writers. And then we get 100 fucking retarded stories of how you can increase your risk for heart attacks. That's how it works, Neil. The whole thing has been weaponized against us. Okay, so he brings on this uh, GP, and the GP is like still a hardliner. The vaccines have saved a lot of lives. And so I want to break down his arguments as he goes through them to sort of maybe arm you guys with some facts, because I know some of you may still be getting into these kinds of conversations with people. So here, have a listen. Before the break, I gave my views on the sharp rise in excess deaths in recent times. I'm joined now by Dr. David Lloyd, who is an NHS GP. David, good evening. Thank you for joining me. He looks thrilled to be there. Uh, Why aren't we paying the same attention to to excess (laughs) deaths as we did to COVID deaths? Good question. Well, I think we are. Uh, I don't think I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Uh, we've long been aware that the the crisis that we've had over the last two or three years is increasing uh, excess deaths, and it's very very important that we do understand why. COVID obviously is the number one cause for lots and lots of those deaths, uh, but uh, people dying in A and E departments because not for much longer, right? Because I've read an article from the Ethical Skeptics blog, and what he's pointing out is, by the way, excess uh, natural cause, non-COVID deaths, this is kind of what he's carved out to let's get rid of the COVID, which is even a little problematic because the CDC, remember, is reclassifying cancer deaths as COVID deaths to hide the fact that cancer's off the charts, that we're at now a 30 sigma, uh, deviation from the norm. This is, we're talking probably once in a trillion plus year event without something being a cause here. And they're pretending like, oh, well, it was just some missed appointments. That's all. And meanwhile, we're at 540,000. And while he's a little shaky on, you know, where does this go? Cause it could turn the corner at any point or, could keep going but he by his kind of best guess his ballpark now he thinks about 20 million people are likely to die based on what he's seen right now and i think that number is probably low by a factor of five or more and that's just the united states 20 million people mass murdered so let's hear what he's got to say about it. They can't uh, get seen in a timely manner is another one. Uh, and- so they can't get appointments, can't get seen in a timely manner. Why? Would that be because all the healthcare workers took the shots, the ones that didn't got fired, so now you're understaffed? And, of course, some, a lot of them are dropping dead. A lot of the other ones are getting sick, and they can't clear the virus because their immune system has been suppressed. And- as we all get older and we are subjected to multiple infections, yeah, it's it's quite likely that, that, that there are excess deaths as well as there. So it's now 
People are getting older and dying. That's why we've got excess deaths. I'm sorry, were people not getting older and dying before the rollout, before MMWR week 14 here, Doc? I mean, he's not even making sense at this point. Suggesting, well, I mean, these people are getting catching COVID and now they're dying. Well, yeah, but why are the vaccinated dying in higher numbers? So, yes, it's an incredibly complicated problem, but we're not, not ignoring really. it. We're looking very hard to find the causes and do something about it. it it's not, though. It's not, though, being uh, broadcast in the same way. You know, during, during the, the COVID deaths, there was, a, there was a counter in the corner of the screen, sometimes literally, you know, giving updated numbers. And yet more people are dying now of causes unrelated to COVID. And asking questions about it is all but forbidden. You know, what do you make of the fact that when it comes to the excess deaths, you mentioned, you know, people in, in hospital, a third of the excess deaths are people at home, people of all ages, and, and at home because presumably they weren't under the care of a, a physician specifically for anything that they knew to be wrong with them, and they're being found dead in their homes. Now, is that not the kind of thing that ought to be being shouted from every front page and every news bulletin as we attempt to get to the bottom of why these people are dying when they shouldn't be? Well, the, the headlines last week that 500 people, uh, 500 people are dying a week when they, when they shouldn't have done in A&E departments was very much front page of the news. Um, I think we are trying to make the point that uh, healthcare is incredibly important. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be something that we should underfund or privatise, that we should be providing enough care so that people don't feel frightened about coming to see the doctor. <laughs> so there you go. Can't take it out of the government's hands, let the market handle it, even though we're failing to uh, give people appointments and everything's backlogged. And by the way, we've got 500 extra excess deaths a week that we can't explain after we rolled out this experimental gene transfection therapy. But definitely we are the ones that should be trusted with the people's health. And by the way, we, we might need some more money, some more people, and some more power and responsibility in, in order to fix this problem because that's always the government's solution is we need to be able to do more when what they're doing is not working. And it never works because they don't have the proper incentives that a actor in a free truly free market has to strike that balance, to walk that line, to protect their patients, to make some profit and to help people. And know when the early signs of things like cancer are, are starting to show. So I think the, well, we've known that for about two years now. There has been an awful lot of things that have happened during this COVID epidemic that have made things change as far as uh, uh, people consulting their doctor is concerned. At the moment, it's impossible to get an appointment to see a GP. It's impossible to get seen in a timely manner in the A&E department. You have to wait a very long time for routine surgery. All no, of those things are going to contribute to people dying earlier than they should. But the government needs to stay in charge of healthcare, obviously, because they're doing so great at it. As many as a third of the people dying, though, weren't trying to get a GP appointment, weren't in hospital, didn't know they were ill, and those people are being found dead. 
for causes, you know, well, we're I, not, we're not, I would, to, I to, to move, to move I, on. I, can I push back on that? I don't, I don't, That's I'm not happening. aware that people are dying because of some unknown thing in their houses when they have. I don't think they're dying of some unknown thing either. Perfectly true statement. We know exactly what it is. Now listen to Neil explain. What do you think they're dying of? Well, I think the questions have to be asked about the, the uh, safety of the vaccines. I, I believe that a, a oh, proportion of those deaths oh, are being caused directly oh, well. by the vaccines. And to, and <laughs> oh, to right. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize you were linking the two together. So now he goes from, I know what the cause is to, well, we need to ask, be asking questions about the vaccines. And this is the problem that I have with these guys that knew what was going on, should have known what was going on. It's all out there. All they had to do was open their eyes and look around. And yet, instead, they chose to kowtow, to stay on YouTube, to keep their cushy job as a news anchor for GBN or anybody else. And they just let people die. And But, you know, now, two years later, now it's safe. They can start tiptoeing into the water and asking the hard questions like, we need, to, we need to ask some questions about these vaccines. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're a real tiger, Neil. Well, I think you're completely wrong there. The, the, the mRNA vaccines are phenomenally safe and have the most fantastic potential. Look at the two headlines that have happened this week um, showing that uh, long COVID is, is a much less of a problem in vaccinated individuals. Yeah, I'd like to see the details on that study because everyone that we looked at, remember the one from last week? If you're unvaccinated, you're more likely to, to die in a car accident. And what were they doing? They were taking people who were dead on scene and excluding them. That was 60% of the deaths. You know, people that like, I don't know, had a heart attack, lost consciousness and crashed. And when the first responders got there, they were already dead. Well, we'll exclude those people. How many of them were vaccinated? We don't know. But trust this study because it shows a clear link between vaccination and safe driving. I mean, they have no credibility left. But here he is repeating this nonsense, and he's got more to go along with it. Uh, and that was done on 2 million people in Israel. So an enormous study. You know, the Israeli government... that has every incentive that forced their people to get shot after shot that locked them out of shops. Of course you can't, you can't ask when somebody dies suddenly, you can't ask them, were they vaccinated? That is rude and inappropriate and unacceptable. But if you're going to buy groceries or rent an apartment or get a job or enter a hospital or get a transplant, it's perfectly acceptable to ask private medical questions like that. These people are responding from hope, from a paradigm of lies. And they're clinging desperately to that last thread that maybe this thing isn't what they say it is. Maybe it really did help and I'm going to be fine. When the reality is the majority of the people who took this are, are going to be put in an early grave as a result. Sorry.
All right, let's keep going here. Uh, and then the other one, which is that the, the, the NHS have just gone into partnership with the maker of mRNA vaccines uh, oh. to work with individualized uh, cancer vaccines for people who've got cancer from the shot. Oh, that's brilliant. So, you know, they give you the mRNA shot. We see a 30 sigma rise in cancer mortality. And uh, then they come out with another shot to give you. They'll bilk you for, you know, a quarter million dollars before you die. <laughs> and that's something he's sitting here touting. Like they're solving the problem that they created and they're not even going to solve it. It's just going to kill you. But hey, they're going to ring the cash register on your way out. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for coming. Thank Advanced you for coming. cancer. Thank you. And there's huge data showing that um, we can reverse some of the really awful cancers that we're not very good at by producing uh, individualized vaccines against I, the cancer mutants. I would, I would question. I would question absolutely whether it's good news that the government and their and their allies are moving forward with mRNA vaccines when it's demonstrated the case that the vaccines that we have at the moment that are being applied in the case of COVID are unquestionably causing harms and deaths. Reanalysis of Pfizer's... Hold on. The, reanalysis of Pfizer's, the, the, benefit, the health benefit ratio of using vaccines in COVID is overwhelmingly no, that's not, that is not. That is not correct. That is not correct. The, the data no longer supports that assertion. The f and this is what the ethical skeptic was pointing out in his blog post as well that I read earlier today, we're about to cross, cross the threshold with these uh, non-COVID natural cause deaths, excess deaths that he's put through his model and kind of shaped things where he needs to to sort of get to a good data set. That's the 540,000 number since MMWR week 14, April of 2021, April 20th, I think. And he says that's about to cross the total number of COVID deaths during the pandemic. So then what are they going to say? Now we've got all more people dying from these mysterious causes that nobody can seem to explain. Dr. Baffled, we've paged him. He's very baffled, has no idea what, what could possibly be causing it. If only there were some kind of triggering event that we could identify when we saw the data turn, but there's nothing like that. Reanalysis of Pfizer's own data showed just that the latest data supports it. We, we know the vaccine has a direct effect on the virus, and it also has a direct effect on the, the troublesome long COVID that we were all very worried about afterwards. Now, we know that the gene transfection therapy makes number go up, increases the antibody levels. What we also know... I forget what he said with that last thing. Let me back up here. Assertion: The reanalysis of Pfizer's own data showed just that the latest data supports it. We we know the vaccine has a direct effect on the virus, and it also has a direct effect on the the troublesome long COVID that we were all very worried about afterwards. Okay, and long COVID is a real thing, but what's happening? Well. One of the listeners after the last show pointed me to um, Walter Chestnut, WMC Research, really smart guy. We've read some of his articles in the past. He was on with uh, Kevin McCarran, who has been on the show. He's you know a scientist that does primate studies, does mouse studies, that sort of thing. 
and like really knows his shit works with dr richard fleming as well and the two of them were talking and uh they showed this study they were talking about the immune modulation between igg3 and 4 antibodies and again you remember three were the ones that were new would neutralize the virus and do i think it was 41 percent you know a pretty high number of neutralization whereas igg4 was more of like bee pollen allergic reaction that it would get produced to tell the immune system to just kind of stand down we'll just get rid of this and break it down well what walter was bringing to the table in that discussion afterwards is um another study that showed and we've, we've talked about this as well you had the university one that said when the enzymes come in to break down the spike it creates these seven types that are prime candidates for misfolding into prions. And so the analogy that they kind of drew is that um, this thing is like a delayed response bioweapon. It produces these spike proteins. Your body comes in to break down the spike and they show graphs that were like 100 plus potential prion uh fragments floating around so it's literally a cluster bomb being detonated and all these little fragments are bomblets that are hitting your cells and doing all kinds of different damage and if we roll all the way back uh like two years ago remember the immunostaining the cdc would come out and say oh it's conspiracy theory that people say mrna gets into the nucleus of the cell which it doesn't. We don't have any evidence of that anyway. But what does happen is the spike protein that gets produced in the endoplasmic reticulum, that ends up in the nucleus of the cell where it disrupts P53, BRCA, line one regulation, some other processes that ensure the integrity of your genome. What are we seeing now? Oh, outbreak in extremely rare and unusual cancers. What could it possibly be? I don't know. No idea. I'm baffled. So So the whole long-term COVID nonsense is people who have entrained their body to start pumping out these cluster bombs, circulate them around their systems. they, They tend to have an affinity for organ tissue, you know, like heart, liver, spleen, kidney, brain, testes, ovaries, all those things where we're seeing elevated levels of adverse reactions of excess deaths and so forth. And then when the body comes in to break it down, carpet bombs the area. That's what's happening to these people. And the more shots you get, the more that those spike proteins are in there doing damage, both as a spike protein and as a cluster, as a little bomblet after they get broken down. But also as, uh, you know, when they're binding to ACE2 receptors and causing clotting and all of these other things. Reanalysis of Pfizer's own data shows that one in 800 people suffered an adverse effect, which in summary means that people were more likely to, re- to be harmed by an adverse effect than they were to be hospitalized with COVID. 
Now, in the yep. context of that reanalysis of Pfizer's own data, I fail to understand how you can continue to assert that those products are safe and or effective when they are unquestionably associated with people's deaths. Do you, would you still, you are you still recommending, are you still recommending like that, that people get the COVID You're vaccine? saying something that really is open to question. Open to question, yeah, but you know what? The evidence is very clear what's happening. We have enormous amounts of data that show these vaccines are very, very safe and have prevented millions of people of dying from COVID. There is no question that people are dying or being harmed in the aftermath of receiving those injections. Have, uh, would you like to? Now, the other side of that coin, there's also no question that people who have not had the vaccines are being harmed in the same ways. How is that? And this whole cluster bomb idea of breaking the spike down, it becomes a prion and carpet bombs the area and does lots of damage reduces function that makes a lot of sense that's why the white house was censoring people like me and others years ago when we were talking about shedding of the spike protein because i had people in my audience that would be around we had one woman uh she would would be like at, in a booth next to someone who was talking about they just got their shot and she's breaking out in hives on her neck and she sees clients and the ones that are recently vaccinated, she gets hives from it. Had other uh, people in the audience, women that go over or around people that are vaccinated, it messes with their menstrual cycle. We have people, healthcare workers, look at, look at what's happening to them. And because their immune system is being dismodulated, I don't know what the right word for it is there, but essentially told to stand down, and allow the virus to go in there and like run rampant because the IgG antibodies that were doing uh, like 40% of the neutralization, they're not there anymore. So that's, that's long COVID. It's people who have a lot of spike protein damage, they're floating or, or spike proteins floating around in their system, be they vaccinated or just exposed. And their body can't clear it because their immune system has been wrecked. Point me towards the, the data for that. I, I, that I, doesn't appear in peer review journals. I'm holding up have. today's British Medical Journal, oh, which have. is actually the one have. that talks it, about that, long COVID. That data, we that have data. very good evidence that these vaccines work and are not dangerous. How how can it be how can it be uh, uh, legitimate to describe them Going as down effective with the ship. and that and that people were being given enough information to give informed consent when one of Pfizer's own people in testimony to the European Union said that they hadn't even been asked whether or not to test whether or not their products would stop transmission person yep. to person of the vaccine and yet we all listen they didn't test it on any actual pregnant women. Remember that that whole 100% safe for pregnant women was based on some rat studies in France. They didn't do the toxicology studies. They didn't do the like genetic studies. They they skipped study after study after study that's supposed to be there to ensure their safety. To roll out this first time first of its kind new gene transfection therapy and they changed the definition of vaccine. Remember that? 
from protection to benefit to like just watered down, watered down, watered down three times over the years because changing the language is how they control you. Same thing that was happening in uh, Orwellian 1984. They just double plus good. Why have all those extra words when you can think much more simply and be much easier for us to control. For weeks and months and years to everyone from the prime, from prime ministers to presidents down saying that if you took one of these medical products, you would not contract nor transmit the virus. Now, COVID, in the case of Pfizer, they hadn't even been asked to check if their product did that. Now, in what sense are people giving informed consent when those are the facts? That they're being told they can take it from transmission. The, the, they told people who were fired from their job for not taking the shot that they were not coerced. That's the sense, Neil. The sense is this right here. Plunder has become a way of life for these people. And they've created a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. It's as simple as that. The, the, the graphs show the effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine against COVID that was published in the, in the Lancet uh, now two years ago. So what is he doing here? He's citing an old study. And what do we remember when we went through this? What happens at first? Yeah, there is a protective effect. The antibodies go up. But then with repeated doses, that picture starts changing. And we looked at the Public Health Scotland data. We looked at the UK data. Remember the... <clears throat> two safety signals that were triggered, triggered from miscarriages in that one Scottish hospital. And what that data showed, and the same thing was happening in Israel, so the more shots you've got, the sicker you become, the more likely you are to catch COVID and die and be hospitalized and die from it. So that whole thing was a lie. It's the best research that's been in a very long time. I think and so what he's citing is, well, two years ago we had this study, so clearly it's still that way today, when that's not even remotely the case. As if the immune system doesn't change when you pump the body full of shit, poisonous shit. People worry because the vaccine was seemed to have been researched very quickly and rushed out onto the market. And everybody says, oh my goodness, this is an untried vaccine. But really the number of people that were involved in getting these vaccines uh, into people's arms was enormous. And so really it isn't a, a good. And so were the 1,223 people that died in that trial. Good argument that it was done too quickly or too rushed. These Except for, you know, Skipping the toxicity studies, genotoxicity, half dozen others. Vaccines are fantastically safe and have saved millions of lives. That's the line we keep being told. I do not it's believe that data. That is the true. No longer, there is, data there no longer there is an alternative that. reality that says these vaccines are injecting, I don't know, microchips into your arm it's or are selecting that. out different races. These it's are about, things that are... About. And there he is suggesting uh, that different medications don't have genetic preferences, interactions with different 
races of people, different people with different types of genes? Of course it can. Of course it can. But he's wanting to put it all into conspiracy theory, right? Situated on the internet and are wrong. These vaccines are safe and save lives. People are dying in the aftermath of them. They don't stop you contracting the disease or transmitting or becoming sick or going into hospital or dying in hospital. Nobody's dying. Everything's fine. Reasons why people are dying at the moment. I wonder what we're going to say at his funeral. There are indeed, and we need to ask questions. David Lloyd, NHS GP, thank you very much for your time this evening. Ridiculous. Absolutely absurd that somebody could still be pushing that kind of nonsense this late in the game, right? Of course, along those same lines, remember when we talked about the infighting and how when you make a mistake, the... um, deep state, whatever it is, the liberal media is going to jump on it and use it to discredit the the whole community. Well, we've got the first example of that. It's from Vice News. Now anti-vaccine world is mad at died suddenly, the viral anti-vax documentary. Predictable infighting, claims of psyops and renewed arguments about snake venom. <laughs> I want to read this to you too because... It was, I found it rather amusing. And then we'll get out of here. In the anti-COVID vaccine world, some things are certain. Every few months, a new strikingly or shriekingly alarmist claim about COVID vaccines will make the rounds. And while many people will pick up the and spread the latest narrative, others will bitterly push back, convince their movement is being sabotaged from within. The latest demonstration of this cannibalistic impulse comes via died suddenly a viral anti-vax documentary after a rush of traffic and attention some anti-vaccine personalities are complaining that the film is designed to make their movement look bad and that's what we talked about last week they got so many things wrong in this and the skeptics will use this to throw out the baby with the bathwater is the term i like to use Died Suddenly is the project of far-right podcaster and COVID conspiracy theorist named Stu Peters. And it's been, as far as these things go, a genuinely viral sensation in a certain corner of the media marketplace, among other things. Marjorie Taylor Greens tweeted about it, and Google Trends shows a pronounced spike in searches for the term died suddenly. Of course, you know, we've been seeing that spike growing for a couple years now. Around the time the film was released, The film has more than 12 million views on Rumble. The alternative video platform backed by conservative venture capitalists. See, this is red team versus blue team again, including Peter Thiel, J.D. Vance. The film has also also has a verified Twitter profile. That means they're paying eight bucks. It doesn't mean uh, and they are who they say they are. But I've seen so many ridiculous uh hit pieces on Elon, every little thing. Oh, he got this wrong. Oh, he got that wrong. Twitter's doomed. Oh, he did this today. Twitter's doomed. Oh, he had this for lunch today. Twitter's doomed. Oh, he's coming in, taking meetings off track. Twitter's doomed. When the reality is Twitter's been on the wrong track and he's thinking outside the box, trying to come up with a, uh, you know, a heteroduction based solution. And that's why he's doing that sort of thing, because he knows it's radical change that it's going to take to right that ship. 
And, and of course, they attack him at every turn for it because they desperately fear him succeeding at that and having this incredibly powerful platform where the truth can be spoken, or at least his truth. As countless debunking articles have pointed out, the blood clot claim has several clear issues. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Embalmers aren't actually aren't usually medical professionals and would be in a position to know someone's medical history or cause of death. Well, they do work with the medical examiners daily and can get those causes of death. So that's ridiculous. And you don't actually have to have a medical degree to pull white stringy things out of people's veins after they've died. The embalmers featured in the film and positioned as whistleblowers also don't seem aware that post-mortem blood clots are common. Well, one problem. I mean, so what are they saying there? Well, people die and then these things form and that's all this is, which is absolute nonsense because elemental analysis have been done on the vax noodles and using known blood clots as a control. And guess what? They're not blood clots. They're something completely different because they're made up of a completely different composition. So the whole, their blood clots idea is out the window. And yes, they do form in the body postmortem sometimes in some cases, but they're usually only a few inches long. They don't stick together. They're not stretchy rubbery. That's why I call them back noodles. Their blood clots are more of a jelly consistency. These are not that. These are white fibrillic tangles that are, you know, being produced by the immune system to sort of contain the threat as best it can. But there's so much damage that it's overwhelming and, and they're growing in the, in the veins. And there's no examples that I know of or that I've seen or that Vice could go out and find of someone before these injections started pulling a four-foot-long uh, vax noodle out of somebody's leg. Of course, we've also got, you know, we showed you the video and there's, there's people, there's doctors talking about finding these in the veins of living patients and pulling them out. And all of a sudden they start feeling better. So this whole idea here of, well, they also don't seem aware that postmortem blood clots are common. Like what a fucking ignorant, stupid thing to say vice. And blood clots that lead to death are caused by a host of medical issues, including smoking, cancer, trauma, pregnancy, and surgery. The CDC estimates that an American dies of blood clots every six minutes. The fact that we're citing the CDC here will be taken as proof, of course, that the author of this piece is pulsating red pocket of, of big blood clot. <laughs> okay, whatever. No. It's not, but what you're doing is actually is absolutely misleading because you're not looking at the actual science behind this. These aren't blood clots. They don't contain the same chemical makeup of blood clots. So there's something else. And if you're too stupid to realize that, you probably shouldn't be writing a hit piece making yourself look like a complete fucking idiot. Uh, who wrote this? Anna. And if I was on Twitter, I would fucking let you have it, but... I'm not Elon. <laughs> All right, let's keep going here. So somebody tag her in this, please. That is on Twitter. 
uh, and blood clots to death, a host of medical issues. The CDC estimates six minutes. Okay. It implies, for instance, that basketball player that died after, this is the film, uh, without unintentional morbid levity. It implies, for instance, that basketball player died after collapsing on the court, but that player, Keotane Johnson, is very much alive. Now, this is one that happened before COVID, and his collapse mid-game happened in December 2020 before COVID vaccines are even available. Okay, so that one, you know, should, shouldn't have been in the film. Doesn't explain the thousands and thousands of other clips that we've got just like that happening after the shots. Doesn't explain the people doing this thing where their arm goes up, they start spinning around because they're having a certain kind of uh, stroke. We didn't see that in these numbers before. We didn't have three healthy practicing doctors dying in a week before. We do now. This was Stu Peter's second feature-length bite at the Conspiracy Apple. He previously produced a film called Watch the Water, which insisted incoherently but quite forcefully that both COVID and COVID vaccines are derived from snake venom, which that was complete crap. 100% nonsense. The film provided proved powerfully uh, unpopular with much of the cons- conspiracy verse and Peter Starr and sole source for those claims. A former chiropractor uh, later claimed that his words had been taken out of context somehow. <laughs> yeah. Stu, just creative edit, and it's not what I said. Yeah, okay. As the backlash grew, the people who... Uh, at first seemed willing to swallow the snake venom whole quietly moved on. Yeah. Just, oh, we're not talking about snake venom anymore. <laughs> After a few months and see, this is the thing that like, they don't realize everybody. And this is what I tried to point out in the last episode where we talked about this. Everybody wants to think, well, they're either paid opposition or they're just stupid or something. No, they're motivated by the views, by the likes, by the money and power and control that comes with that. The fame. The increased interest. And that was the brilliance of that Borla clip where I edited him, edited him to say, we're going to kill 50% of the pop, reduce the population by 50% in 2023. It showed, it cut the wheat from the chaff. It showed who does their homework and who's just going to run with it and not check anything, and who's going to check it, like Alex Jones, and then still promote it anyway. Why? Because it's good for views, it's good for ratings, it's good for sales. That's who these people are. And Vice doesn't get this, and neither does the medical freedom movement criticizing him. Uh, let's see. Peter tried again. And at first things seemed to be going much better with the premiere of died. Suddenly several major conspiracy purveyors shared, uh, the film or boosted it approvingly on telegram and Twitter boasted, uh, and the anti vaccine organization, CHD children's health defense shared it on their in-house video platform and in a newsletter where it was called the film. They don't want you to see. The newsletter sent out by Gab.com, the frothingly conspiratorial alternative social media site, uh-huh, has, report, has also repeatedly linked to the film. One of the film's interview subjects 
a dedicated uh, promoters is Steve Kirsch and dedicated promoters is Steve Kirsch, the tech entrepreneur millionaire whom MIT has described as a misinformation super spreader. Oh, well, I mean, if MIT has described him that way, it must be true. But Ripple soon appeared on the water a couple of weeks after sharing the link to the film. Uh, David Icke shared a post on Telegram written by a lesser-known anti-vaccine figure named Josh Getznow. Now, we've been reading his work. I've talked to him offline in some private groups and so forth, uh, who identifies himself, who is a professor at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Getznow uh, called the film Typical Trash from Stu Peters. We read a little bit of his um, substack outlining the reasons why couple weeks ago, I think. The film taints and tarnishes the material on clots and other important information by covering it with a lot of garbage. He complained about the opening credits of the film, and you know we went through that, comparing, putting all these conspiracy theories together to what was the point of that inspiring montage with all, was the point of that, in, of interspersing the montage with all this conspiracy theory fodder, the author wrote, this is Josh. What was it to plant in the reader's mind that they were about to see what they were about to see was on par with Bigfoot and the Loch Ness monster. Again, it's, uh, were they just trying to create, come up with something creative that was interesting that would engage people and get them to watch? Or was it an intentional way to discredit? And I think, uh, I think Stu's just really sloppy from what I've heard from people that have been on his show or talked to him about being on the show. He, he'll, pretty much put anybody on and let him say anything with very little checking. He's not doing that obviously with his films either. This quickly became the emergent narrative um, among major anti-vaccine and conspiracy figures that died suddenly was so badly researched. It had to be controlled opposition designed to discredit the movement. No, it could just be that he's motivated by greed, power and views. The self-proclaimed health ranger, Mike Adams, and from Natural News, ultra-conspiratorial. They just love these labels. They just can't get away from them. They've got to attack all of these people in the minds of their readers, which are the the blue-haired liberals running around still wearing masks. Which, by the way, if you see someone still walking around with a mask on, you shouldn't roll your eyes at them or anything else. You might even want to thank them. Thank you. appreciate it. Glad you're wearing the mask because you're obviously vaccinated. And by wearing that mask, you're minimizing some of the spike proteins that you're putting out into the environment, poisoning everyone around you. Thank you. Appreciate you wearing that. I should say that and record it. Get the reaction. World star hip hop. Here we come. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yet another anti-vaccine. Oh, wait. Let me see. Did he? Did Stu Peters Network? This is from Mike Adams. Uh, exposed for more misrepresentations each day, fuming. Quote: Did Stu Peters Network even bother to fact check any of those clips? Inexcusable. Adams' post on Telegram was shared by Larry Cook, another major anti-vaccine figure, another anti-vaccine site, which. This is the COVID blog went a step further writing that the only logical explanation for the film and its backers was that they deliberately released this sensationalized production for the sole purposes of interference. 
deflection and discrediting truth about this entire COVID-19 charade. Possibly, possibly. Also possible, Stu just does his shit job and is more ego-driven than service to others, driven by a desire to help others and get the shit right. I don't know which, but probably one of those two. They must also be working with the government and mainstream propaganda agents. No, I don't think they have to. While this is all extremely funny, it's also instructive. The anti-vaccine, this is back, you know, vice writing back to their audience. The anti-vaccine world is desperate for legitimization. No, no, we're desperate for discussion. For mainstream science that has pushed this deadly concoction to look at the actual data instead of dismiss it and write stupid articles based in ignorance because you don't even know that the vax noodles that they're finding don't even, don't even have the same composition, chemical makeup as a blood clot. And you're sitting there calling them blood clots because you're a fucking idiot, Vice. And yet, even on the first thing that feels true and abandon it and turn on each other just as quickly, yet, sorry, even with the highly entertaining uh, recrimination, snipping, and bike bi- backbiting, re- recrimination, snipping, and backbiting. The film has the power to do real harm, introducing just enough doubt to keep people from taking basic steps to keep themselves safe from COVID and other serious illnesses because you heard the doctor earlier, that's what these shots do. And it's only a matter of time before the next vial of snake venom appears held in the outstretched hands asking for the public's money, attention, and trust. And I think that hits the nail on the head because there are a lot of people who are in this for exactly that reason rather than to help people. It's sad. So, yeah, someone's saying, I cannot bear to listen to that idiot GP. Yeah, it's just, it's stunning that like they're still hanging on even though it's abundantly clear at what's happening. And let me, I'll bring up the ethical skeptic here. I just want to cover a couple things from his blog. Had no idea I was going to go and do this thing today. (laughs) The world's smallest political quiz. Um, Let me see. Yep. No, it didn't. I don't think it saved it. Well, bear with me for one second here. I just want to search this. Okay, exhibits A and B, the cost 581,490 lives and rising over the next decade. Feverant sycophanthy on the part of religious both woke and social skeptic has cost us dearly lives lost to medical mistake vaccine injury accident murder drug abuse overdose and social despair alone during the COVID-19 pandemic and uh let's see two charts the net cost as of 17th of December is on the order of 580,000 lives this death tally is growing by a ratio of 5 to 1, 9,115 versus 1,928 lives each and every week now. Ah, that's what he's saying, I think. He's comparing COVID deaths, like 
people that died from the pandemic to people that are dying of these weird unknown causes now. Fast overtaking the COVID-19 pandemic deaths at 903,000. The future death tally from such a maliciously motivated thinking could stand to be on the order of 20 million lives or more, a divergent function which is very difficult to predict, save for its inordinately large reality, such as the cost of woke and fake science. And, uh, you know, it's still happening. I think, you know, it's done. There's people that are, people either are going down with the ship at this point or they know better than to take any more of these shots. So, and again, I, I think that 20 million number is extremely, extremely conservative. I think it's going to go a lot higher. I think we could see a hundred million or more just in the U S and, um, yeah. And the order of maybe upwards of a billion worldwide, sadly, and it's going to affect the vaccinated and the unvaccinated alike, because it all comes back to exposure. So there you go. All right. That's what I wanted to walk through. Um, I'm not going to do a show next week. I'll be with my daughter. And then I think the week after that, I'm heading out to uh, Arizona to go skiing and then hike in the Grand Canyon for a couple days and camp out there and uh, so forth. So I won't be back. I'll probably try and get one out uh, Monday next week. And then the following week, I won't do one because I'll be gone uh, for most of the time. And um, yeah, you know, we are, we're in a system of slavery and there's no getting the right people. Getting someone who's kind with the whip does not get us out of slavery. And it just keeps growing and becoming more corrupt and more grotesque with each passing day because there is no check on their power. There are no market signals on their malfeasance. They just get away with it and they make the same old excuses over and over and over again. And you suckers keep falling for it over and over and over again, thinking if we can just get the right people. We've got two centuries of evidence of corrupt, growingly um, corrupted government, but this time will be different. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's not going to be different. It's not going to be different until we stop threatening our friends and neighbors with violence for making choices that we disagree with. And when we do that, we can live in a far more peaceful and just society. There is no utopia. There is no perfect solution. But what we can work towards is something that's more compassionate, more fair, more just than anything that we have even come close to today. So, There you go. I'm Sam. I am. Thank you guys for watching. We'll catch you on next broadcast. uh, Free the world.
free your mind. Free Julian Assange. R.I.P. Black the Ripper. Let's go. Long time the world's been ran by a load of liars. How do you expect me to believe in coronavirus? 9-11 was a lie so you could start a war. Now you're lying again to try and bring in martial law. Fuck the system, I will fight for my freedom. And fuck all my rats cause right now I don't need them. The world's going mad cause it's ran by some demons. Donald Trump or the people, who do you believe in? It's time for revolution, we need to fight for peace Something's going on, it doesn't sound right to me No point in that tonight, this shit don't bother me When the situation's fucking up the economy I've had enough and I don't give a fuck now You think you can keep the whole world on lockdown? Zionist Jews run the world, but they're fake Jews They control the media and they tell us fake news Free the world And free your mind Stop the 5G up your mind free the world and free your mind stop the 5g fucking up your mind i rap like this because i'm passionate and every bar is a fact i ain't chatting shit funny thing you probably think i'm talking nonsense you would rather put your trust in boris johnson but i would die for the people like i'm god's child do your research on a family called the rothschild the final goal is to have a cashless society it even says it in the quran and the bible g look how they took our freedom in a second did you know they're putting up 5g as a weapon I know you probably thought it's there for some Wi-Fi And you probably thought this world was run by some nice guys What will it take for the people to wake up? I have to give you facts Cause I can't do that fake stuff The world's gone mad We've forgotten what normal is The world is a stage And we're just the audience 